What up, y'all? It is the Ebb and Flow Radio with yours truly, Stephen Jaggers. I'm your host. This week, we are dropping in with the ultimate lady badass herself, Paige. She is coach. Trying to get big, coach. (laughs) She's one of my coaches. She's an amazing, amazing human movement specialist also an educator, barefoot yogini, DBRT sandbag ninja, and has so many certificates. I'm not going to name them all off, but yeah, she's one of my movement coaches. She's a kundalini yoga teacher. Man, she's, she does it all. Amazing, amazing human. So much wisdom. And uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this conversation with one of my movement coaches. We got Ultimate Lady Badass here. Woohoo! Thank you for just kicking my ass and putting me through a nice. <laughs> As I smell my armpit. Yeah, it was a good workout today. It was not really. We've had better, but you know. Sometimes it's really hard to stay on task. <laughs> Like, honestly, when Andrew didn't come on Friday this the last week, Mm. I was in such good flow that I, like, recorded some of the stuff that I was doing, and it had been a while since I'd, like, felt that way. But then sometimes we get involved in our philosophical, esoteric conversations, and then I'm, like, I'm just, like, going with that instead of, like, okay, I need to do, like, four sets of, like, ten deadlifts. Like, we need to get this done, not in 20 minutes, but, like, in ten, maybe. That's so true. I know the more philosophic we get, the more like out of body we get, and then yeah. we just get in this mode of deep thinking instead of. And it's doing supposed it. to be a physical hour. It is, yeah, <laughs> it is. So we gotta we gotta stay on okay, track there. Okay, but I mean that that is interesting. Like, how do we bridge the two between? Like, is there a bridge between those? Yes. Is that yoga, <laughs> or is that like what? I don't think the word yoga has to be used. Because, mm. like, for me, it's like yoga can also mean meditation, right? Like, what is meditation? Meditation, number one, we all should know if you don't know. It's not to clear your mind of nothing. It's, it's not to, like, do nothing, right? Like, it's like, like meditation is to, like, have, like, a, a focal, point focal point so that yeah. you become present in the moment. Mm. The, the way we... And that's how it's instructed also, like say within a yoga practice, is to be present and aware of your breath through each move that you're doing. So yoga is a meditation, or to do yoga is to be meditative. I mean, I, guess, I think that's how I see it, yeah. you know. Well, it is to, to yoke, it is to connect, and connecting through that focal point, connecting breath with movement. So we are like becoming one I guess, as the, as the uh, yeah. new age kids call it. Yeah, the new age kids. <laughs> well, I think it's definitely the easiest form of maybe getting the modern human to understand maybe mm. what a meditative state can feel like because in a typical yoga class, we'll say, the students aren't t- talking to each other. No one's even really talking to... Like, you, you're, you're getting instruction from a teacher, yeah. But there's not this like interactive component. Therefore, you then you're kind of supposed to be centered on what you're doing, and you know, having a drishti, having a focal point, even with the eyeballs. 
I feel like it's more important now than ever. Oh, yes. For us to have some sort of meditation and like yoga practice or whatever practice it is, a practice of coming back into the body of, of creating that focal point because we have so many things that are just like pulling on our energy or pulling like distracting us now more than distraction yeah distraction yeah it's like Mm -hmm. it's like leakages in the boat you know (laughs) i feel like the the meditation of the yoga is trying to get all of your energy reclaimed back into your being and that way you can utilize that like later on in your day or or, yes or for whatever you're doing yeah but it's like nowadays we have these so many things going on just like pulling our energy in different ways yeah well, and that's why I think, like, even now I call it my movement practice. It's not yoga. I mean, if, if what you're saying, what I'm doing, what, what I'm actually physically doing when I'm doing yoga, and that's in air quotes, mm-hmm. I'm moving my physical body, and it's typically calisthenic-based. Right? So, like, whether I'm... Even the classes I teach will say, like, I, I try to even intro myself a little bit and go, some of the postures you will be familiar with, some you will not. Not all of them have a name. Why do they need to? If we're moving energy, like, then move the body in a way that suits you. You know, it's like I usually ask my students then also, find... I'll, I'll give them an example of, like, you could put your foot here, you could put your foot here for a warrior two or whatever. Which position feels the best? Where do you feel grounded? Where do you feel strong? Because like if I have a room of 10 people, each 10 people are all going to have slightly different very, very uh, capabilities. Yeah. And so number one, I'm not a big fan of like having like a drop-all cue for everyone. Mm. You know, I know some of us, will, you know, the knee has to be over the ankle. Does it? Well, the purpose you know, of it is to get them to turn around and, and actually be in their own experience. Yes. And what And like feeling their own sensation, what actually feels good for you? Like what is actually going mm-hmm. on within your body? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I think that key word is experience. Like that's like something mm. I picked up from Kundalini. Like that's during my teacher training that I'm going through now. It's like we keep talking about like to go to a Kundalini class or to have an instructor take you through a Kriya set and whatnot. It... The idea of, again, giving the person autonomy to have an experience, or when people would raise their hand and go, should I feel this? Should I be experiencing this? Why not? Yeah. Of co- yes is the answer. It's mm. never not no. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah, kind of, again, like kind of back to like the movement practices, like Tai Chi, um, any martial arts, they all obviously have that similar kind of like, you're moving energy, you're kind of... You're, you're finding that meditative state, so to speak, like within that process, you know? And as you said, like now I feel like what people need is to be able to draw their energy in and bring it back in or reel it in and, and mm-hmm. come into their inner world. Whereas maybe in ancient times, there was a different need or reasoning for needing to do that practice, mm-hmm. right? Like, because again, with yoga, I always tell people like, I thought we were being told or taught that you moved your body a whole bunch so that you could actually sit and have seated meditation for an extended period of time. So where's that in a yoga class anymore? You know? And like I said, I think there's multiple different ways to meditate, not just sit still, close your eyes and focus on third eye. Yeah. You have candlelight meditations. You have stare in another person's eyeballs meditation. I mean, like, I mean, there, you know, you you can, uh, 
guests at, at White Tantric Yoga. We did. How was I that, mean, how was that experience for you? I want to get into that a little bit. Oh gosh, um, <clears throat> it it was new. It was a new experience. You start seeing their face like change and. It's almost like I I definitely felt like it's like I melted into them, meaning like I saw beyond them. Like, it's I don't want to say the room closes off, but you just you're just like in that. And it could have been I could have been staring at the wall. I feel like I could have been staring at a chair. It's just you you're looking past that, and then that's where I think like the trance state begins. Do you know? Because like even when I feel like I would get there, it was like I just remember how hard it was to not feel sleepy when mm. I felt like I was in a like very meditative trance state, and and all seven six kriyas that we did were all eyes open only the last one was an eyes closed like thing <clears throat> it was a little distracting the people like on either side of me one person in particular had like almost zero experience so b- the way you sit as everyone's facing each other so you have a partner across from you but the way they were um prepping us for this event was really the energy is bouncing like a z-line so oh, at a diagonal down the row Right. And so I like I could have I had these two people in my peripherals, right, on either side of my partner that was in front of me. And so if I wasn't staring at her, if I was maybe not quite getting trancy, like, you know, in that mm-hmm. space with her, then I could kind of be distracted by like this person that's off to her right or her left across. So my peripherals. And and honestly, I <laughs> Like, I swear, like, the 45-minute mark, I was like, okay, like, I did a really good job, Paige. Like, pat yourself <laughs> on the back. And I might have found myself, like, saying the, the, the chant in, like, a slightly funny way or with an accent just because, like, I was, <laughs> I was trying to keep myself going, to be yeah. honest. I, I infuse... Being a little jokester. Yeah. That's, as you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I infuse humor, I think, in order to, like, keep myself trucking, like... Yeah. Keep going a little bit of, Can always little bit tell of jokes. A spiritual master by the sound of their laughter. Oh, really? Yeah. I've not heard that before. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a joke. That was evil. <laughs> Did you know there is such a thing as laughter yoga? Yes. Okay. Laughter is absolutely one of the most healing things, I think. Have you ever taken like a laughter yoga class? I have, and it's weird and painful <laughs> and also cathartic very cathartic i think and you know you realize how much like even just forcing the laughter out like causes you to laugh yes because yes. you're like forcing it out but then you're like this is stupid but then you're, <laughs> you're like, like laughing at the other person that's doing the exact same thing and, you're and all then doing it. it's, it's a fucking giggle it's very very psychedelic in itself so, you know, you are probably one of the most, like, integrated movement practitioners that mm. I know. Mm. Let's, let's hear a little bit about, like, your story. What, Do you want to know about is, me? How did I get here? Yeah, how did you get here? How did you become the question. ultimate lady badass? I should, well, make sure, make sure you remind me to tell you how, maybe how that name came about. Okay, yeah. But, well, do you want to um, start with that or you want to? No, you we'll, we'll start with, like, the OG story. Let's start like, with Like, OG you know, story. like the bio that you might find, right, like on, okay. like, a about me section. I'll try to make it short, but I think we should start back from the beginning. Number one, I was definitely one of those kids that played many different sports growing up. So, luckily... Generalist. I, I'm I, we get generalist, but an, ath- an athlete. 
I had I had general athleticism. Part of that again was like my mom was like, oh, well, I grew up playing a lot of sports and different things, and you know our parents put us in activities, so I think my children should do the same. So. I, I'm from Missouri originally, the Midwest, so um, the one sport that I played the longest and stuck with the most was soccer. And that's where I get my legs. Um, thunder thighs. Thunder thighs. <laughs> Quadzilla. Quadzilla? Um, but yeah, so then, but I mean, I, it's funny because I like sports so much and I thought it was fun to be with my friends. I remember I, I really enjoyed the camaraderie of it mm. all. And it wasn't school, and even though like class and stuff was kind of good and fun, I think again, I just I there was something about physicality. Like I'm a physical person. I know that. Like I'm a feel. I'm a kinesthetic kinesthetic person yeah. um, a lot. And um, so I would. I mean, I played volleyball and I sucked at it. <laughs> I was on like the JV team, <laughs> and like all my friends were on varsity. But like here I was, still like whatever. This is fun. This is cool. I'll do it. Right. I played basketball. Hated running up and down the court. And I'm short. But so you I'm liked not, running up, down, up and down the field. Well, technically, okay. So technically, I was like sweeper, so I didn't have to run oh, like up and down the, a lot. So I was. I always ended job. up. I always ended up on defense usually if I was like playing a particular sport. Like same thing. Like volleyball, loved it. Back row, just like I'm just gonna get get it to the setter. That's all I got to mm. do. You know? so <laughs> I, was, I was like the man behind the curtain kind of a thing. Um, yeah, and then. So then fast forward a little bit when I was a freshman in college, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know what I wanted to like major in, especially not that first year or two. I mean, I thought I did. The school I went to was more known for their teacher education, which is why I had chosen it originally. But I also thought it was fun to just like pick classes that I was like innately interested in. So I kind of gambled with my money the first year or so. Ended up taking like a strength training 101 class. I took a Pilates 101 class, and so I kind of like again like <laughs> chose the classes that I was like, yes, I know I'll love this, I'll enjoy it, um, and that was cool because even then I like none of my high school like sports we didn't learn how to lift weights, so I really had like the rudimentary like this is the chest press machine and this is how you do this and this is how you yeah. would sequence things, um, <clears throat> and and then shortly after my girlfriend convinced me to join the rugby team, which was a club sport. Um, at Western Illinois University. So that was a lot of fun. Damn. Yeah. And uh, I guess, you know, I guess you could say I was kind of like you're like a little bit of a tomboy too. Like that's yeah, the thing. Like people out? Just... Yes. Well, <laughs> now there I, my position was called the hooker where you, um, you're in the scrum down and they're head to head. What the, what's and the then, scrum uh, down? I'm, for those of you who are listening, <laughs> if you look at it from a bird's eye view, it looks like two triangles, but the base of the triangles are going together. Oh, okay. So there's like a row of like four, three, two, one. So it's like a triangle like that. And so you're against the other team. So usually what happens is the referee puts the ball in the middle and then like you're huddled like this with your arms grabbing around your you know your teammates and i take my foot and i have to get my heel hook onto the rugby ball and kick the ball to the back of my triangle uh, okay and then my offense line takes it like the fly or a prop or whatever takes it and then they start running plays with it but it's what's happened every time a ball goes out of bounds oh my gosh i don't know if i'm remembering that right I think well there's two ways yeah you either put it into the scrum down line or whatever and that's how things kick off or you pick up the person, and this person like throws the ball in the games. It's fun games. <laughs> it's like the cool. reverse, you know, it's like football, but it's not all it's macho. Like, and guess what? Rugby players don't wear pads. Yeah, rugby is savage. <laughs> it is savage. They're, they that's got a, a great scrum one. down. 
I should have changed just, my Instagram name to Graceful Savage or something. <laughs> no, you but still anyway. Can. You still can. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're pretty much Ultimate Lady Badass now. Yeah, it's permanent. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's say here. So then when I couldn't play sports anymore and I actually got a job in college, you know, that's where kind of like that ends the line there. And then I ended up choosing graphic design actually as my major and I got a degree in um, graphic arts. And, wow. Um, but. Did not know that. Yeah. So I'm kind of artsy in that way. But, um, but then after college, like, um, I know I was depressed. I was, like, depressed that first year or two after graduation because I think you're so used to being in school at that point, too. Like, I think I remember f- feeling feelings of, like, I don't know what to do right now. I, I was in the city of Chicago, and I didn't feel that my artwork could even stand out against all the other, like, mm. artists of Chicago because here I went downstate to a public school that's not really wasn't the Art Institute of Chicago. It wasn't like Columbia, you know? Yeah. So I remember like I was fearful of even applying for a job in the arts and marketing world. And so I just kind of defaulted to just doing what I had done in college, which was waiting tables. And um, so I just went through this period of being like super depressed. And I, I, I don't know, I had like a light switch one day too, where I was like, I got to get a different job. I can't be working in this restaurant stuff all the time. I'm going to see if I can get hired at this gym over here. And again, I've now I've been working ever since the age of 15 and I played sports for a long time. My very first job was like a lifeguard at our local like tennis and racket club back home in Missouri. So I was used to like being in and out of kind of like a gymmy kind of atmosphere. So I applied and they had, they had a position open part-time for like receptionist at their spa, you know, for like facials and massage. Cause it was like one of those gyms that has like all the services and stuff. And so thankfully, because I got that job, I had a free membership. So then once that all started, like I started like getting myself back in shape. I like cut back on all the drinking I was doing. I mean, I was drinking heavily at the time cause my roommate was a bartender. Wow. And, um, so I, this part of the story I do find important because Ultimately, I played sports because I thought it was fun and I, w- I enjoyed being physical. And I got back to working out and being an athlete, like an athlete again, because I was depressed. Like, because I, f- I found like my happiness was when I got those endorphins, when I could do my Tybo boxing in the gym, when like one of the local trainers like took me through a kick, a kick ass workout. This is the one area of my life that you can push me, and I will not say no. Like, I will not back away. Like, if anything, it's one of the only areas I feel comfortable pushing my weaknesses is, like, in, in the, the gym. Body. Is in it? The gym. Yeah. Or, or outside in a physical capacity, you know? Like, if there's a hard mm-hmm. hike, I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. You know? Like, it makes I, you feel alive. I think so. I don't, is that yeah. What it is? Is I, that the thing? I don't know. I think now that you're saying that, it's like making me think about why. Because, like I said, if I'm such a kinesthetic person, I think like when I'm in my flesh and I feel the push in that way, yeah, like I think there's this yeah. burst of like, like I am a human, I am physical, like I am like, this is my blood and flesh and like my- you're present, you're here, yeah, you're, now, yeah. you're feeling, yeah. you're feeling the life force run through you. Yeah. So we have, we have very similar stories, which we can get into okay. later, later, but I'm just making some parallels. I'm like, wow, okay. So, so keep, continue. I end up- then I, I still was working in the restaurant or whatever, and then I think eventually I just, again, I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this. So then I decided to become membership sales. So I, I switched roles in the company and went full-time with them. 
And um, and then I did that for about three months, like made like number two salesman in the company. And they, this particular gym, Fitness Formula Club, had nine locations. So it was kind of a big deal. I remember like, okay, well, this is awesome. But I wasn't making like as much money like <laughs> compared to waiting tables. But In sales, you weren't making that much? I would really, honestly, I could tell you that at that point in time, I was working just as many hours, if not more, when I was in the restaurant industry and making barely about the same amount of money. Because I, I worked more fine dining. So it was like, mm, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's not like I'm not just a cocktail waitress at no, a bar. Yeah. I was like four-star restaurant, like serving steaks, having a back waiter, like pouring, you know, $100 bottles of wine. That's where you, make, you can make good money. Yeah. But um, anyway, it was, a, it was a lot and it was tough. But my girlfriend called me and she was like, I just took a job out in Arizona do you want to come out here and move? And I was like, what? Like, Phoenix? I don't, I don't, I remember I was like, I knew nothing past Colorado. I hadn't been like, that was as far west as I had been. Ooh, the desert is the uncharted territory. Right? So at the time, I was doing this membership sales job, not super happy, just broke up with my boyfriend, feeling like the Gemini in me was like, I'm ready for a change. So, um, and I remember thinking, this is an opportunity, because she was like, look, you can stay with me for rent-free for like three months, just come out here and then find your job, and like, we'll figure it all out, and like, it'll be good. And I was like, oh my gosh, what an opportunity. So I leaped on that one, and I moved out to Arizona. Was there any hesitation? Or you were just nope, like, it's time. It's not ready. really. Yeah. Okay. I really did. It was a, definitely a synchronistic moment where I just like kind of was like. You just took the leap. She just, yeah. Like I said, I used to get these like every three year. I had like the three year itch. I do have the three year itch. Is like, it time for that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you hitting that cycle? Kind of, yeah. I think it's like the four year. So. <laughs> uh, but when I came out here, I was at first going to do membership sales again. But then I was like, I don't want to do this shit. I'm going to have to work like 50 hours a week. So then I like went back to waiting tables and I was like, I, I can't, no Paige, this is not a career. Mm. So I went home for Christmas and like a- after being out here for like six months, I was like, mom, I think I'm going to become a personal trainer. And she was like, okay, like, you know, tell me more. And I remember I was like, I don't know. I just, it's not, it's not restaurant. I, I'm good at working out. I know that whole world. I feel comfortable doing that. I really, I really had no idea where it was going to take me. I just knew that I could help people. And I wanted to help them for the same reason I helped myself, like from a mental aptitude point of point of view. And so I just, I think it was like the nurture inside me thought like this would be a good role. Like I could be yeah. able to lead people and I could be able to tell my story of like how I got out of depression, lost 20 pounds and like kind of reinvigorated myself all through fitness. Um, the nice thing about moving to Arizona is that I re-fell in love with being in the outdoors. I mean, I had been living in Chicago probably for only like two years, but prior to that, I was kind of like in a very small country town that just wasn't, I mean, Missouri, there's a lot of exploration, but like, I mean, the desert, like, I fell in love. I fell in love with the ability to go hiking any day, most every day, middle of the city. What's that? I said we're so blessed here. Yes. It is a beautiful place. Like, I don't just, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm not... Maybe I am saying that because I've lived here now for eight years, but I mean, mm-hmm. there's definitely something special about it. And I think, you know, again, like Sedona and the Crystal Quartz and the desert, I don't know, it's just something special. But so long story short, I decided to get my degree as a personal trainer or my certificate. It was a six-month program. I was able to go to classes during the day and still work in the restaurant at night. So I paid my way through that. And... Um, and then when I graduated, I got a job down in the East Valley in Gilbert, Arizona at a place called Functional Fitness. And I really t- 
test, they're, they're the ones that really kind of set the par for me in terms of like opening the doors to other people to be looking into and reading from and learning from. So like at that time in 2012, I guess it would have been 2011, um, functional fitness was kind of that it was just it was just it was just barely getting scratched you know you know it was becoming a buzzword and the name of their gym was functional fitness but they spelled it with a k not a c Mm, and they called it funk fish for short so funky fit yeah so i was learning about um mike boyle who's a strength coach on, on the east coast i was all the presenters that ever presented at perform better um Charles Poliquin, uh, mm, Pavel from the Kettlebells. I mean, some of the, like, Kettlebells was, like, all new to me at that time. I didn't even learn about that stuff in my personal training course. I think we barely, like... Yeah, you barely scratched the Yeah, because, they, again, they're, they're teaching you classic principles, which a lot of it was what I learned in my Strength 101, like, mm. b- back in college. And then just other things, like nutritional stuff, and then, like, how to take someone's, like, blood pressure and, like, things like this. But, um... So I learned a lot in that first three years. Like those two guys that run that gym, which if you're out in Gilbert, I would totally recommend going to. They're awesome. But they gave me that foundation of like who to follow, who to go after and kind of, and that was when I, you know, ultimately discovered the sandbag. And that then can bring us back to why my name is Ultimate Lady Badass. Um, So back then I fell in love with the kettlebell for the flows. Yeah. I thought it was so freaking cool that I could like do six, seven different moves or even just do like five cleans, five squats. And like, it was all the same bell. Like that was a mm-hmm. novel concept for me, but the flows, I think also because it felt like yoga a little dynamic, bit. Dynamic movement. Yeah. Dynamic movement. You could move around all that stuff. Um, well then Josh Hankin from ultimate sandbag, who is from Scottsdale, Arizona, like we had a whole bunch of bags and he had come and he'd done his like level one cert at my gym. And I was like, Oh, this is totally neat. It goes right with the kettlebell. Almost everything you can do with the kettlebell, you can do with this bag. And yet if I pick up this bag and try to do it the same weight I did with the kettlebell, I couldn't do it. Mm. And it, it was humbling as fuck. And of course that made me want more. Right. So fast forward, they asked me to become a master trainer for them probably about four years ago so that I could, and if, if people want to learn from me, they want to learn how to use the ultimate sandbag, I'm kind of like the local representative for the Arizona area. And so that was like, that was totally cool because I remember thinking like, yes, yes, I want to be a leader of education. And oh my gosh, how exciting it would be to like travel throughout the you know state of Arizona or maybe somewhere else in the United States and like teach people about this awesome tool that can like help them do all these awesome things. Um, and so... It was right around the time that I had just, I had kind of decided I didn't really want my LLC anymore. And I was talking to my best friend, Carrie, and I was like, well, I can't have Infinity Health as my, that was my Instagram handle before. Like, Infinity you, Health? Yes. And because that was the name of my LLC was in, Infinity Health Coaching or Infinity Health Coach. Just, yeah, coach. Because I think the other one was taken. So I'm sitting there with her and I'm like, well, I got to change my handle because like I don't have my LLC anymore. And now I'm going to be working for this company called Premier Fitness Systems. And so she was the one that, I don't know where, sandbag, ultimate sandbag. And then she really did was, Carrie was really the one that was like ultimate lady bad. I think I said like lady, woman, female, like we were just doing like buzzwords, you Mm, know? You were just in that flow state, just throwing words out. Yeah. So eventually we just kind of connected all three, ultimate lady, badass. I mean, she she probably said I was a bad. sandbag (laughs) ninja. Yeah, like all that. Just flow state words and put it all together and that's how it came. So. Is that still your favorite tool? 
Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 I like in essence, nothing I think can compare to it in the gym because there's so many different handles on it. So there's so many different ways that you can hold it. Right. Yeah. And then you have, so then within one bag, you have a variety, you know, dynamic movements that you can perform. And then you, you can make your, you can challenge yourself in a multitude of different ways without ever having to have two of them. But if you, even if you had two, I mean, you could really, you could, you could probably make up 50 workouts and n- neither one of them would look the same. None of them would look the same. So yeah, it's kind of my favorite tool. And did you know, Stephen, that they have water filler bags? Oh, I've seen those, the hydro bags. So oh, I've seen the Bulgarian bag. Well, the, and that's a little different because again, yeah, a Bulgarian yeah. bag kind of has its own sort of protocol sort of thing, right? Because yeah. it's just that U shape. But I'm just saying that with this, if you were to go traveling, you could bring the shell and then just wait to <sighs> fill up. Because it's much like your um, Camelback, where you just yeah, screw you the just... top off, fill it up with water, and then that <clears throat> goes inside the shell, and now you have one, an implement that's really hard. Because that's really a really heavy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like dead weight, like trying to lift a body or something. You know, it's it's completely different than like I steel. Mean, you know, it's yes, and I think that's so and the it's inter- moving around. Yes, so that's what's interesting is the implement itself is unstable. So it's. Mm. That's why I said a 25-pound sandbag is not the same as a 25-pound of steel, like you said. The pound of steel is fixed. I know where it is in space, when I'm holding on to it, and what to do with it. But now I have this implement that's like shifty, movie. So like it's not it's not just 25 pounds. I mean it's it's a it's an unstable instrument. So people want to do training, let's say, like standing on a BOSU ball or balance on the stability ball and like do an overhead press and you see them like shaking all over the place and everyone's like, oh, it's so great for stability training. I want to get into this, like, this <laughs> whole stability versus mobility. Oh, okay. Because this is like the yin-yang. Is this intriguing? This yeah? is the yin-yang concept that, you know, I see with a lot of people as far as body work goes and a lot of people developing... Like the body developing its own form of stability via like what people would call knots or people would call like trigger points. Right, 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 right. So my theory is that that's the body's way of creating stability in certain joints to like hold shit in place. So it, it, so, you know, especially, okay, so we'll give an example of like the shoulder. Everybody feels like they got those knots in the back of their rhomboids Mm -hmm. or traps or whatever it Mm -hmm. is, you know? So why is the body fucking creating that to begin with? Well, I think it is for what you said. Is it scapular stability or shoulder stability? The body craves stability. The body is smart as shit. Yes. And it does everything for a reason. Yes. And if it... If you're not giving it the proper stabilization, it will mm-hmm. figure out its own way to do that. So what I what I say, what you're finding, mm-hmm. is you're finding a protection mechanism. Exactly. You're, you you as a therapist can find the points that the body has created its own st- method of stabilization, which a lot of times is an improper stabilization. Yeah. Which is why it becomes uncomfortable and hard to deal with. If you were stabilizing in the proper way or the way the body was kind of quote unquote designed to, mm. I don't think you would need as much of the body work. Oh, 100%. So, and a lot of the times the body work can make it worse too because most people want to go and get those, those, you know, densifications like hammered out or like <laughs> just cleared out. Just when it's rip like, it out of there for just me. Just stick your elbow in my soul and <laughs> yeah. perform an exorcism and. 
and all that's, my shoppers will be aligned. That's when you know? you know that person needs yin yoga and not like... <laughs> We'll have to get into the end too. Yeah, because what ends up happening is then you can remove their only point of stability or the only way the body's mm-hmm. been able to figure that out, and then they can walk out of your room, so to speak, not not stable at all, and it might feel good for about an hour or two, but their body might just go right back to where it was. Oh, it's probably going to create it just to get, it's going to create it over. Yeah, again. or they'll gonna... or they'll pull something or get an injury because you have mm-hmm. restructured them, and now if they go to do the same thing that they were once doing with this. Yeah. insufficient stabilization mm-hmm. te- technique, then all of a sudden when they go to do that same thing again, they're like, oh, I can't believe I pulled my back out picking up that pencil. Yeah. Your body just didn't know what to do. Like you were it's silly because the pencil weighs nothing, but like you moved in such a way that your body was like, well, we don't know what to do with this. So you're right. Like it's a protection mechanism. It's, it's a way to... Because no matter what, you're going to keep moving forward in life because your brain is in charge sometimes. So, like, how many people out there, raise your hand right now, you're in pain or something doesn't feel quite right, but you push through that anyway because your ego is like, no, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like, I don't know how many runners would be like, oh, what, mile three, my knee really hurts, but, like, I ran five today. It's like, what? Are you fucking like, are you mad? Like, yes. (laughs) Adrenaline are just pushing through. That too. Addicted to those endogenous chemicals. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't... We both are. And that's okay. (laughs) Like, I mean, you know, and essentially that's like what I would even call like somewhat of an okay addiction. Like, like, there's certain foods you eat that cause the same hormone um, response as laughter, as hanging out with friends, having a good time. Chocolate? Chocolate is definitely one of them. (laughs) Well, they say, they say that about cheese and I do think like the the alkaline, whatever in our, in the chocolate, Mm -hmm. but it's like, well, so no, what are you going to do now? Are you going to tell me that food is bad for me because you're saying that it's like addictive or that it's causing these same chemical responses in my body? Uh, no, you're a human. Like you need food. Know that like, (laughs) I mean, I don't know what I want to say to that. Just like, like it's okay to receive pleasure. How about that? It's like maybe when that gets to be too much, right? Like this is what I tell like Andrew or my friends all the time. Everything in moderation. Variety is the spice of life. Like I think sometimes if you have too much of one thing, that's where we get astray, right? So if I eat like... 100%. The body <laughs> likes variety. Yeah. Within yeah. movement, within food, within experience. And that's the thing versus... That's the thing where we, we go back to mobility versus stability. Oh, yeah. That's so back too to much mobility. stability, too much choosing of one thing over and over and over again is going to create I, a lack of, like, variety or mobility or... Does that make sense? Kind of, or how else could we word that, perhaps? Well... Because it's like you choose one, especially with movement, you do one movement over and over and over and over again. Perhaps you're trying to get stable in this one way or strong or whatever you want to call it. Then it's like you start to develop a repetitive stress injury. Yeah. From that, when really it's like, okay, or you could just do a bunch of different movements all the time. And then where, where's the line with that too? Because are you going to see any progress in a certain... In a certain goal. I, th- I feel like my, for me, it's always like, I always, like this is how we were kind of talking about social media before too and how everyone sometimes wants to be like an asshole and get on your shit and call you out and like whatever people want to be that way. It's like there's, there's intention behind everything. So know your intention about what you're doing and then proceed for it. If I'm trying to get better at pull-ups, the only way I'm going to get better at pull-ups is I need to do pull-ups. Hmm. 
like you just said, if you want to get good at this one thing and you want to get stronger, you do need to practice it. But there are accessory things that you can do to lend to you getting better at that pull-up or getting it faster, let's say. Yeah. Because again, I could probably just practice pull-ups every day and get better at pull-ups or get more of them because I'm just coming to the table and practicing that thing over and over. There's no way I can't get better if I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. But... I might be using my upper traps and shrugging and like and like compensating, although it visually looks like I'm getting the pull-up. Yeah. Whether or not I'm doing it efficiently is another question. So then what are the other accessory things I could be doing to help build my proficiency or efficiency within that movement? Right? So like I like again, another examples are always like, like you said before, repetitive stress. So you can say you can either you can extrapolate a bodybuilder or an Olympic weightlifter. They tend to do the same thing over and over because their sport specifically says, what is a power lifter meant to do? Lift as much weight as they po- fast as possibly they can mm-hmm. or as much. So they're either out there being the biggest, strongest person in the world or they're doing it at least the fastest. So they're producing the most power. So they have to practice that thing over and over and over and over again. Those are the ones they, they still end up with repetitive injury or another example, a golfer. Yeah. They hit the ball over and over and over and how many strokes they're taking within like, you know, 18 holes. I don't really remember the number off the top of my head, but I mean like if they're not if they're not complementing that with an off-season program, if they're not taking a step back and not playing golf maybe like, I don't know, at least 2 days a week not playing or something like that or if the Olympic weightlifter isn't even taking his off-season or whatever, like those are the people that are going to end up with the repetitive stress. But also, yes, like you said, now if I'm like an ADD person, one day I do pull-ups, one day I do push-ups, the next day I do Olympic weightlifting, and the next day I do kettlebells, and the next day this, and then one day I run a marathon, I'm a generalist, and I'm not really maybe even efficient at any one of those things. Again, it looks aesthetically like I'm probably completing them, and maybe I'm not complaining of any pain or issue doing them, but am I really, am I really good at them? I don't like... Depends what your goal is. Yeah. But as far as like if your goal is just overall health. I would say variety is good. Variety is the best. But it's in, you know, we use the, the example of the, the bodybuilder or the power lifter. But I, I see the same thing with like my, my friends who are kundalini like yoga. <laughs> You're going to pick you on know? them now. <laughs> I'm going to pick on the yogis too. That's fine. Like we can pick on the yogi. yoga. Well, I see people yeah. with just densifications in the front of their shoulder from doing so many chaturangas or like people sitting in easy pose with their right foot over their left every day and they start to develop this lower back imbalance or so it's like at what at what point like how do we find this balance between like specialization and like generalization is it all just I I think that's tough because that's I think with within that there's an ebb and flow to that, like like ebb and flow podcast. <laughs> Shameless shout out. <laughs> so I think that like here's the thing, like I've been exercising and doing fitness, let's say for the better half of ten years. I've also been practicing yoga for like up, upwards of ten to twelve, like just within the same time frame. Now, does that mean that I've never had an injury? Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, and injury is just like what I would call like just a mistake that happened somewhere along the lines because maybe my ego got in the way or just because I just wasn't attuned to doing it precisely perfected. Like, 
but the more I can be like aware of what it feels and like whether or not I thought that was right and like come away and go, you know what, my back's not really feeling great after that one thing I did yesterday. Maybe I should look back at that video again I took of myself or maybe I should consider that I was really pushing the max on that weight. Oh, I wonder what I ate that day. You know, so it's like, Mm. I, I like I'm a big fan of telling people that I really like bio-intuitive like feedback training. It is hard for me personally to stick to a program. Like if you were to be like, Paige, okay, you're gonna get five pull-ups by the end of summer. I would I don't know if I would do well because like sometimes I'm going, oh gosh, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night and I definitely feel really tired today. Maybe it would not be good for me to do like an aerobic, anaerobic based workout because I just don't have that energy or that stamina. Now, could I do like five sets of deadlifts? Yeah, I think so. I think I can produce those kinds of hormones and do like, that's a lower heart rate anyway, like a, like a heavy, a heavy lift. Maybe, maybe I'm using heavy, not in the right word, but just like doing like 85% of my one rep max and doing like a set of five by five, like five reps for five sets. That's not going to kill me. That it doesn't matter that I'm like tired. That and then I like maybe that's all I do. But you're not pushing yourself. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not trying to set a PR in other words, mm-hmm. and I'm also not trying to do something that's getting my heart rate beyond um, my zone four, because I just I'm not if I'm not fueled well if I haven't slept well then like pushing myself to these higher zones or higher heart rates or one rep maxes, that's when you'll see that like if you're not recovered that's not the kind of workout or exercise or movement practice that you want like again tired days days I had drinks the night before, I might just choose to do some sort of flowy yoga. Like I'm going to move my body and spend 20 minutes like being kinesthetic with my movement. So you're, you're kind of saying that the most important thing is to know where you're at. Yeah. Cause and like tune in to your own body. Yeah. Figure out where you are on the scale yeah. between like, oh, have I been specializing in this one thing for too long? Have I become ignorant to this one, you know, yeah. <laughs> to everything like, else by, by focusing on this one thing. And then at that point, am I sabotaging my physical body or whatever it is and missing out on the things that are going to keep me well-rounded and balanced? Yeah. Or it's like, am I just like doing a bunch of different things all the time? Am, am I not excelling at my, my goal, the thing that I want to get good at? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay you need to have that self inquiry practice where it's like, where are you at and where do you want to go to? I feel like that's why it's such an overarching theme with your finances, with your relationship, with you name it. Mm -hmm. If you're not, I think spending time quarterly, once every 30 days, once a year and doing these self check-ins, like how, like for me, like I even, I know this about myself. If I don't spend time in reflection, then like I sometimes can get really pulled into a mental state of like not understanding my accomplishments and therefore end up ending up in a mental state of feeling depressed or not worthy. But when I go back and I start opening up journals from the previous years and I start looking at wow. things that I've thought, things that I've written, or looking at my financial statements and looking at my income, like every time that my tax, the tax is tax time, which is coming up soon, I kind of have this like moment of joy because I'm like, wow, like I did really good last year. I can't, I guess now seeing it here on this piece of paper gives me an opportunity to sit here and go, wow, like each year, ever since I ever decided to become a movement specialist, personal trainer, whatever you want to call it, each year I've made more than the last. That's progress. 
And you're helping more people and you're growing. I'm definitely growing. A shit yeah. ton. <laughs> you are growing a shit Yeah, yeah. Like I, I would say, especially like just in the last three years of being at Premier, when I set the intention that I didn't like the previous, I knew I was ready for a change. I was in a leadership role at my mm. previous gym. And I wanted to go back to being not a leader, but somebody who was learning from those around me. So I had done that for about two and a half years. And so I was like, okay, well, now I'm ready to not be the leader anymore. I don't want to be the leader right now. I want, I want to immerse myself amongst people that are smarter than me. And that's how I kind of manifested Premiere. But I had to sit down and look at that and know that, yeah. right? And then, like, and then, and again, just like anything else in life, I didn't know how. I didn't know where this place was going to be. I just set the intention that I was going to do some research on potential places that might have what I'm looking for, which was like a tribe of individuals that cared about education and that wanted to stay kind of at the forefront of what was going on in the fitness and health industry. And I landed here. I never expected, I didn't make a goal of like working in one of the more privy parts of town, or I didn't make the goal of like wanting to work with professional golfers and other professional elite sport, you know, athletes. Here I am. <laughs> I trained a Milwaukee Brewers guy in his off season, the last two off seasons. Like, I like sometimes I'm like, that's where I'm looking in the mirror and going, "Holy shit, it's, that's amazing." You need to take that reflection time to, <laughs> that's to, like, to see how far you've come. Yeah, yeah. From fine dining in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and yeah, exactly. That's why I think that, like, again, if you don't like knowing, like, so that's something that pertains to my career, right? It's like. People typically are trying to set goals or they're coming in with a goal. Mm -hmm. And like, I love hearing about those things, but what I do is I spend the next five to six sessions trying to dig at the deeper motivational layers. Yeah. Because many, many people say they want things, but what they want and then their actions, we know those things Mm. aren't always aligned. And the people that probably don't work well with me are the ones that aren't going to handle when I call them out on whether or not their actions are aligning. So again, I'll kind of give an example. You know, if I, when I first started my career, I worked with a lot of people that were in like weight loss. They were coming in, they wanted to lose weight. They would show up for their workouts, but when it came to talking about nutrition and following up with them about maybe the meal plan I had put together for them, or did they even go to the grocery store, say like that Saturday, like you would start to see the kind of, um, you know, red flags or the shortcomings of why that person was struggling. So it's not that people don't know what healthy food is. They do. You know that a salad is probably better than a piece of pizza. Maybe. I mean, we can argue, like, about the deets on that. But, like... But it's (laughs) self-love. But there's a psychological component that goes into why I choose the pizza over the salad. Oh, totally. Or whatever. Or why the person that chooses the salad over the pizza. I mean, again, it's all... It doesn't, neither one of those people is right or wrong. It's where they're at from an emotional standpoint of why they're making that choice. So if I say I have a goal of running a 5K and I'm shortcoming on getting in my miles or doing my glute bridges or my split squats or whatever, there's a mental component and more, nine times out of 10, I swear to God, it's emotional. It's emotional. They're, they're convincing themselves of something they, they're not sure they can do it. There's they're somewhere in that motivation or they're still on the fence of ambiguity. They want something, but they're not quite sure how to go after it. They just know that they kind of want it. Maybe they kind of know what they don't want. In fact, that's what I feel like I hear most is as long as you're clear on what you don't want, it is way more easier to figure out what you do want. 
and then you can kind of make choices. But if you're not sure about what you want, start writing down what you don't want. You will be, you will end up figuring out more of what you need and want in your life. I think if you can, for some people, yeah. I'll say that. Like, otherwise, some people are very, very clear. Like, it just comes <laughs> to them. They're like, boom, got it. Well, humans are either motivated by by pain. Mostly, mostly motivated by I would say mostly motivated by pain, and sometimes motivated by pleasure as well. But to make a change in someone's life, it's when the pain has to outweigh the pleasure. Well, usually when someone makes a change in their life, they're experiencing a significant amount of pain. Mm -hmm. You know, usually people won't make a change until they've like hit this threshold of pain. They're like, "Fuck, I have no choice but to make this change." Hence needing to go hence, down to that, to that yeah, bottom hence, okay, point. Yeah, okay, my life is going pretty well right now. Like Comfort zone. I, I, think, I think that, oh, I'd like to be over there. Like, that would feel good if I was at this place. But, you know, I'm, I'm like, it's I, I feel okay right here. You know, there's yeah. not as much motivation yeah. that, oh, besides, like, oh, shit, I'm at my rock bottom. Like, I do not like what I'm doing right now with my life. Like, I need to go be a personal trainer. <laughs> you were motivated by pain, right? Yeah, I, I guess so. Was I? I just knew that I needed to change. Yeah. Hence, I, I forgot where we were going with that. But. <laughs> Pain as a motivator, people making goals. Why don't people get to their goals? Yeah. Why do we need reflection? What What is, like, okay. What is something that you see recurring with a lot of clients? Like, I mean, like you were just saying, like most of it's mental or emotional. That people don't know how to get out of their own way. People don't know how to get out of their own way. Could you put some words to that? I think I, think I can see because I don't like to talk to people what, about what they do for work. You know, I'm definitely in more of like when we're in our sessions and dialoguing, like a lot of it has more to do with like personal life and family and things like that. And you can start to see where people are kind of like, it's a reoccurring theme that they might be complaining about the same thing that they were complaining about the year before. And even though you might have like tried to like, I don't want to say give them advice because like we know that sometimes not everyone just needs, sometimes people just want people to listen or be valid and that's fine. But I think there's a good handful of people that don't even realize like the reason why they're not maybe getting what they want or what they need or perhaps moving forward in a way that they want is... They're just telling themselves the same story over and over again. Yeah. That's what I... I guess that would even be a better way to say it is that the stories that we tell ourselves once again, like I can see that coming out in people and they're believing their own own stories and there's just, you know, maybe because the area of town I work in, um, I deal with a lot of people in the kind of baby boomer generation and Mm. they tend to have a particular mindset you know they they kind of still want to believe a lot of the people in the white coats have all the answers and not maybe necessarily open to um, solutions outside of what they grew up with you know and the the world is changing fast you know really fast and technology is changing and um, I don't know it's kind of crazy because I feel like even a lot of um, chiropractors and physical therapists and other strength coaches and certain people are starting to say how much the personal trainer or the strength coach, well, I'll just say personal trainer, sometimes has more of a possibility of an influence on someone than the doctor because, or their, or their, you know, I don't know who else, psychologist or whoever, because 
a lot of times they're coming that I get to see that person way more frequently than yeah. the doctor gets to see him. So there's, there's, there is a deep, like, again, for me personally, like I tend to really develop a pretty deep relationship with most of my clients. And you are helping them repatter their, their thoughts. I think I try to, I think I try to infuse. We well, you are, you're planting seeds. Yes. I, because I think ultimately what I do at the end of the day, I tell myself, as long as I show that person that I love them and that I care for them, then I did my job today. Like, as long as they know that in, within that hour, it wasn't, like, I don't let people say can't in my sessions. I can't do that. No, I can't do that. You will not let me hear I'll be like, well, I'm sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> because I, like, it's, I feel like, I guess I feel like, and they don't even know, I should probably explain this more to people, like, when they sign up on day one. Like, like, it is my, like, job, I think, to, like, hopefully hold you, like, you need all that positive, like, positive Lift everything. Yeah. And, like, I just, I don't want people thinking they can't do things. I don't, I don't, when they start kind of maybe going down, like, a negative self-talk, let's say, cycle, you know, mm. I'll either try to stop them in their tracks or, again, help them maybe reframe or just, once again, just, like, give them a hug and be like, you know what? A lot of, actually, what I probably do the most is tell them a story about myself that is almost exactly the same so that they know that they're not alone in like that process. And also I try to give the understanding that like you might think that I have it all together because I got this great physical body and here I am telling you how to move yours, but like I have my own set of like, you know, oh, issues yeah. and things and stuff. But I, I don't know, maybe that's how it's like I try to infuse like realism, being authentic, but also being like an extreme nurturer with what I do. Like mm. I, I think that's what has helped me Again, like to me, it's about developing relationships. I, it doesn't matter what that person does, whether or not they lose the weight. Nine times out of ten, like my one particular client that I've had for over five years, she's like my mom. Like she's like my Arizona mom, and I and I'm like her psychologist at times. And we like there's a symbiotic relationship there that I think that she'll she'll for she'll for as long as she can still pay for my services. And there's moments where we don't necessarily do a workout she might need to cry and I might just like hold her for that hour that I mean that's how much of a personal relationship we've developed and that's how much like even even when I have like days where I'm having really hard days sometimes I'm like oh I'm so glad I get to see like Lori today because like she just always she trusts me so much and she enjoys everything that I've ever done with her physically or nutritionally wise or just words wise or whatever that like I know that I can show up to that session and I don't have to worry about impressing her or, or I don't know. It's just, there's just this, there's just this nice, this nice trust of like, whatever happens in the next 60 minutes is exactly what's supposed to happen. You know, we're, we're both there for each other on days that we need somebody to be there for each other, you know, and it's this beautiful exchange. And I don't know, that's, those are the kind of clients that I love to work with the most. I think that realize that like we're humans we need human connection. I obviously know some things that you don't know, hence why you are hiring me, but I bet there's some things that you could teach me as well too. I think that's, that's the beauty of being in this industry is that I end up getting financial advice from people that have been CEOs of large companies, <laughs> you know, and like I, I kind of, my boyfriend even jokes that like sometimes like the other day he was looking for a dentist. He was like, can you ask all your, like your clients and stuff? It's like I have this whole network of other people that I can be reaching out to if I need something. Everybody's got a body and everybody is dealing with shit. 
So it's like we all need help mm-hmm. in those areas. Yeah. And it's like those two are to separate the mind from the body is to just bastardize the whole system. Yeah. And it's like I think to true truly have a movement specialist or an integrative mm. specialist within the physical body within, you know, all of it you can't separate it. So we need people that are savvy to hold space for, you know, whatever physical stuff's going on. Okay, let's let's work on the physical body. Let's get it uh, performing optimally in whatever way, mm-hmm. but we also are humans and we're going to be mm-hmm. going through some sort of emotional thing yeah. as well too. Well, and that's why like today in today's world, we're bombarded. I was, I was just watching this awesome yet terrible. It's awesome, but it like also frustrated me. Um, documentary about just even women in general. We're supposed to look a certain way. All these magazines are photoshopped. And again, when you come back to the fitness industry, the influencers and these certain people on social media, and it's like women in their sports bras and like the CrossFitters. And it's like, I'm just, I'm about to make a post and like show my Buddha belly. Like, it, it, it is not, it is never, at least not for me, been about aesthetics. That is not why I work out. And that's not why the doctor is prescribing that you go get exercise. It's not so that you look better in the mirror. It is for your own physical health and well-being. That's it. You know, so like when you say that too, like again, like I know that the person in front of me is not just a meat suit, that they are in, there's an energetic component. It's important that I ask them, how are you today? What's going on? Give me, you know, there's in the warm-ups, yeah, there's chit-chat. But part of what they don't even realize, unless again, you're like maybe my client, Brand, who's worked with me for like three years, he can just re- like read my face and he'd be like, what's wrong? I just know him. I just know him now. I can tell when he's not having a good day and I'm going to quickly modify the workout to match where he's at. So if I have my client Bob coming in and he's saying that he got six hours of sleep and he's stressed out because his dad is 97 and he's having to move into a full-time care uh, facility, okay, I've just observed. I can see it in his face. He is low on sleep. He clearly, his brain is somewhere else. Do I think that we need to PR on his deadlift today? Or do I think that I need to push him to do that one lunge that he's been struggling with for the last year? I don't think that's going to be a good workout. And I don't want my person to leave more frustrated. And I don't want them to feel like life, even within that one hour where they're trying to like, like physically better themselves, it shouldn't necessarily have to be the hardest thing they do all day long. Like we talk about this as a company culture with my bosses, like if we can look at it as it, it being like the one hour of the day that they get to spend on themselves, mm-hmm. hopefully, like how can we make that the best hour of the day? So people will joke sometimes I get a little too exuberant when my clients do something great. I really don't care. I will be the biggest cheerleader in the room, dropping all the F-bones, F-bombs and just be like, that was fucking awesome. You're a badass. Holy shit. I can't believe you just did that. And they're like, wow, Paige, okay, calm down. I'm like, no, I'm not going to calm down. Like this, you, I'm stoked for you. I'm, yeah, like, you know, and then like sometimes that is infectious, you know, mm. or sometimes I don't think they even know that what they did is so awesome. And, I, and, and I'll have to love it. I'll be like, Dave, you are 67 years old. I don't have any other 67-year-old guys that just did what you did. Zero. And I work with a lot of them. Most of my men are in their 60s, you know, or something like that. Or like, you know, even some of, the, some of the older ladies I have, I'll be like, if we lined up 
10 women in the same, the same age as you, just randomly pulled them from the crowd, you would be in the top 10 percentile. They like, people don't know this sometimes, you know, they don't know. It's the self-inquiry practice, a reflection of, of seeing how far you've come that we can all benefit from. Yes. So let's, let's get to maybe the last section here. Ooh, what's the last section? <laughs> I don't know. We've been going for like an hour. Oh, now, okay. So, yeah, I know you got to teach class. Um, let's go into, let's do like ultimate lady badasses top practices. Oh, God. For an optimal life. Should we, should we do five? Five. Five da- da- daily practices. Okay. Get your fucking sleep. Sleep. <laughs> Huge, man. Huge. It's How not. Much sleep? Nope. It's okay. not about quality. the numbers. Yep. It's not about that. You will, you will hear me. Again, another quote of mine quality over quantity, variety is the spice of life, everything in moderation. Uh, sleep is so huge as it pertains to recovery. So many people forget that all the muscle building and all the good stuff and all the cognition and all the things that we do well happens when we're asleep because that is the ultimate lit. That's the ultimate rest time. Why? What do you love about yoga at the end? Shavasana. <laughs> you get to lay down and let all your hard work marinate while you just lay there and let your body kind of like take that all in and absorb it for a moment. So the quality of sleep, right? So what does that mean? Your bedroom is not the place for a TV. You got to get rid of the blue light. You got to not have an alarm clock. You should probably not even use your phone. In fact, maybe you do need an alarm clock because you shouldn't use your phone as your alarm clock. Um, you got to have the blackout curtains. It's got to be cool. They say like optimal is like mm. 67 degrees, which I can achieve in the winter because sometimes we just won't do heat. <laughs> oh, I sleep way better when it's cold. <laughs> right? How, how many of you out there feel like a bear in hibernation? It's so much better to have it super cold and then just put a blanket over you. Yeah. I sleep way better. Let's see what else. Um, dark, no blue light, temperature... You cover your eyes if you do need, if you can't make blackout curtains or you have like a natural window that doesn't have like a curtain, you, you got to put some of your eyes. I mean, the biggest thing is that we live in a world where we have lights on all the time. We have screens in front of us. That means that your body thinks that like it's daylight out way more often than it is. Right? Yeah, we're getting the blue light from all the screens, all of the lights there, you know. All yeah. of the lights. Oh. I just want to sing that Kanye West song. <laughs> But that's why they have. That's why you see people wearing blue, blue blockers now. Um, what 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 I would call the motorcycle glasses that you would wear if you were night riding. <laughs> yeah, or at least blockers. just turn your your especially your screens. If you're not using night shift, then you're crazy. They say you need to have your computer, phone, or whatever TV turned off a minimum of two hours before you go to bed. Damn. So no think about that. that. No. The cool thing is, Katie Bauman was one who told me, think about having one of those, do you ever go to like grandma's house and she had like the, the nightshade, the night switch, like, or the, the lamp, like on a timer and it like, like right at 8 PM, it would just shut off. So you, so like we use this for our Christmas lights at the house. So you can, you can buy one of those little timers and you can tell it whenever it's this time of the day to shut this thing off. So Katie Bauman says she, she does that for their Wi-Fi. So at 10 PM, the Wi-Fi shuts off so they don't have Wi-Fi signals running all over the house while they're sleeping. And that also signals everyone to get off your phone, get off your computer, get off the TV, and like find a book and like get ready for bed. Yeah, because those EMFs are messing with your sleep. They are. 
airplane mode your phone. You don't know because you haven't had quality night's sleep in a really long time. When I was, for a while, sleeping out in the in the backwoods, <laughs> yes. this was, I was adventuring for a while. I had the best sleep out in the middle of the forest. And, and, and like you might dreams. be getting grounding, right? You might be getting mm-hmm. like the good electromagnetic waves from the earth. 100%. You don't yeah. realize it because we live in this world where we're constantly being bombarded with all sorts of electromagnetic frequencies, yeah. lights, all these things. But if you go and do a reset for a week out in the middle of the forest, you will notice a significant yeah. difference. You don't know until you have had that contrast. Exactly. Okay. What's the number, second thing? Sleep, recovery. That's the same thing. Uh, I, you have to move your body like every day. Like you it's have to move. it's non-negotiable. Movement's life. Okay, but like with that said, like again, I know I, I know I've used the words exercise or workout. I really try not. I'm trying not to use those words because like it's it's more like how much more time can you spend moving or even changing your posture? So even if you have to sit mm-hmm. for an extended period of time, can you vary the way that you're sitting? And again, it's another good thing from Katie Bauman. It's like if you're on the floor with your laptop, you can come up with at least 10 different positions to still be on your computer so long as you're just not sitting in the chair for that the last two, three hours or whatever, however long you have to be on there. You know, So I'm a big fan of just like, you know, like just like in yoga, just change your posture, change your shape, and you can keep doing probably what you're doing if you have to be like at a fixed place. Instead of like limiting yourself to an hour workout a day, it's better to turn your life into a movement. Practice. I would say that yes, because more more people are going to have be hard pressed to find an additional hour in the day to go to a gym, but you can find those pockets of time within your day. Mm-hmm. To still have a movement snack. Nom, 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 nom. Nom, nom. So move, move your body, move well, move often. What's that quote? Move well, move often. Like <laughs> That's pretty good, me. right there. Yeah, let's, let's cut it there. Yeah. <laughs> How else to be badass? Be authentic. Like I think, like that is like be raw, be authentic. That's how I am a badass. I've pretty much thankfully been able to work for people that like literally allow me to be exactly who I am. I do not have to change it for anybody. It doesn't rub everybody the right way, but I'm also not trying to appease everyone. I've lost clients because they didn't like my personality and I'm okay with that. That's a good thing. You shouldn't be trying to please everybody. I'm not. Polarization is good. Yeah. Yeah. It means you're doing something in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So be yourself, don't, and don't be afraid to be yourself. So even if that seems very like off the cuff or nobody else is doing it, people will like you because that looks unique, typically. Or at least you'll find the two or three other people that think it's badass, even if nobody else does. You know, I, it's like, again, I'll post shit on like a social media thinking that like this isn't really that interesting. And 600 people are like, oh, oh, oh. like, what? I don't, okay, that's cool, sure, right on. Just put the stuff out that you think is is dope that See, aligns with you and that's what you said before you said something about not sure if you knew what to do with your IG and I was going to tell you that I actually had to fill out a um, a little questionnaire I was featured in Voyager magazine and they asked me all these things like when did you first get on Instagram why did you join and I like remember first, my first thought was like I've never contemplated these questions that's good. <laughs> so I had to think about it 
And all I could say was like, I liked Instagram because it had filters, like for photography. So from an art standpoint, that's I, what it was in the beginning. That's what it was. And then when I when I when they start asking like, how do you get clients and how many you know, what's your audience like and what is your audience like your posts the most? And I was like, I don't. I remember I was like, I don't know because I post when I feel inspired. Each one of my posts has a moment in time where I felt pretty authentic with like, I was like, oh, this is cool. I want to mention this. And I knew kind of for the most part what I, what I wanted my copy or caption to be. Like some of the ones that I would even say probably didn't do that well, I was like trying way too hard, hmm. like way too hard. So like I don't follow, and some people would argue out there that I should, that I should have some sort of consistency, maybe the same time of day, maybe three posts a week, maybe one yoga, one sandbag, one, you know, whatever. And it's like, or I could just keep being authentically who I've been, run my own account, run it however I want, and like organically things will just fall into play. Those three things. Authenticity. Authenticity. Be yourself. Put your shit out there. Yes. Be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. That's huge. Because the only way to have courage is to be vulnerable. Yeah. And, and you want people to accept you for who you are. Yeah. Because so, so many days is people are, are appearing to be someone else and being an imposter. Mm. And how much like stress does that cause? Oh my if, god! Like if you are having to fit into all these other boxes, I can speak from time. experience that I've, I'm again. I am no different than you out there, this person listening. That like I've dealt with the same stuff. Where some of my worst days were me just like consumed by whether or not like people accepted me or wanted me or whatever, and like. I realized how many times I meet somebody like, um, back when I was going to my women's circle a lot, so many people would come up to me like, I love this about you, I love this, I love that. Or they'd say these really fucking nice things. And I would just be like, kind of like, wow, that's the perception. And then I'd be like, I'd feel good that that's the perception. I'd be like, I can't believe that's the perception because on the other end, I'm having all the other opposite feelings and stuff and whatever, you know? And then now the good posts are the ones that are like, hopefully somebody being raw and real. Like I should probably, again, I should probably post these ones where I've like, I'm like crying into the camera, like went hiking and I was like crying and I like took like a 15 second video and I was like, I really wanted to, of course. Just send it. That's the motto. Just. That's the social media motto nowadays. Just send it. Don't think about it. Just put it out. Okay. I'm, All trying right. to, I'm trying to embody that too. Okay. We'll hold each other accountable. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's, we got four or five. Any Shit. others? We can stop at three if you want. Sleep, movement, authenticity. I mean, I would say food, but I don't want to say, I don't want to be cheesy with it. <laughs> well, obviously food is one of the most intimate practices that we have. It literally... You're putting something inside of you. Then with that said, it's becoming you. I would like to say that I don't think you should follow one specific, like, we'll call it diet. Well, here's the thing. There's a thing called diet culture. You should read about it. And you should die with diet. <laughs> yeah. well. It should be a lifestyle. Eating should... Yes, that's why I say, like, don't be, oh, my friend said she was keto, and I heard that's really good. What do you think about keto? Or, oh, he was paleo, and, like, he did that for, like, two years, and, like, lost all his weight. Or, hey, my, friend, my friend's a fruititarian. What do you think about that? Or so many extremes, if you, if you will. Like, so many extremes or so many, like, 
putting somebody like in a bottle or putting them in a corner, you can only have these things. Well, that, that restriction only causes you to typically want all the things that you're restricting yourself from. So again, if I like really simple advice is like, do the Buddhist way of like eating slowly and like focusing on the flavor of each bite. Because once again, we all move way too fast all the time. And so many people are looking for food on the go, food on the fly. Oh, I don't have time to cook. What's a really fast, easy, healthy meal? Well, I'm sorry to tell you, like a healthy meal usually takes 20 to 30 minutes at minimum to make. And if you don't have that time, then you're not prioritizing your food and you're still looking for a quick fix. Okay, so yeah, I would say that I cook literally five to six days a week. Most of my dinners I've made right then and there 30 minutes prior. Sometimes it's kind of a pain in my butt, but at the same time, it's a value of mine to, I think it's kind of fun. I think it's like cooking to me is creative. So it's like, it can be that kind of outlet, but I think it's important that I am like in that sort of contact with my food daily. Like that I have that, I don't know if you want to call an intimate relationship, but like I've chopped the carrots. I don't buy mini carrots I chop regular carrots. I, I don't buy anything that's really pre-chopped because I also don't want to pay for that shit. Like, I'm like, I don't have like five minutes with my own knife. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe again, maybe I'm lucky because I worked in the restaurant industry and I have some of these skills. But like, if you don't have them, like how can you also then make time to like, maybe that's a new goal of the new year of something. Learn how to use a knife. Like don't, don't say I'm going to eat, like don't say I'm going to lose weight. Don't say I'm going to eat better. Don't say I'm going to eat healthier. Why can't you make the goal of like learn how to use the, a knife like a pro chef? You have now taken all the emotions out of like that statement of like I need to lose weight, people should like me more when I'm skinnier, you know, whatever. You've reversed engineered it back to what's the low baseline. Like back when I was doing nutrition coaching, people didn't even know how to cook salmon. So when you would see the healthy menu I created, it's like, oh, okay, well, they're gonna have, you're gonna have salmon and asparagus tonight. Well, then it's like, well, how do you make the salmon? oh shit, we better do a course on how, like, how to know when salmon's done, how to cook it in 10 minutes, the easiest fucking thing you could ever do. Like salmon's the easiest fucking fish in the whole world, if you ask me. <laughs> but yet I found people like they didn't know. And guess what? If they don't know how to do it, they're not going to do it. And that's what, again, would lead them to not get results. It's like, mm. simplify. Go take a cooking class. Go watch a YouTube video. Go watch a Vimeo video on like how to hold the knife well. You know, how to just, just practice cutting carrots for the next three weeks in a row, every day or whatever. And then next thing you know, you know how to cut carrots really well and you know how to cut them six different ways. And then you know how to have carrots at least once a week, but each time you have them, it's just slightly different. Maybe this one's Julian, maybe this one's chopped. I mean, there's the variety, it's the spice it's like of life. The art, the art of ultimate lady badass cooking. Yeah. You need a cooking show. You should watch, I do. I, <laughs> my girlfriends, my girlfriend told me I should make a book. I'm like, I'm just doing my thing. I don't know. Do people want that? Do you guys want that? I don't know if you want that. A badass. Leave a, leave a comment in the, uh, <laughs> yeah. on the IG. We'll make an IG post. Okay, the last way to be a badass. Lift heavy weights. Lift heavy weights. Yeah. Push yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to put heavy in air quotes, but like, don't pussyfoot around with like a 12-pound dumbbell. Mm. Don't think, women, if you're listening... That if you pick up more than 25 pounds, that you're going to look like that CrossFit yoked out girl on the TV like that looks like a man. It doesn't work no. like that. I'm here to dispel the myth that if you actually pick up more than just a resistance band or you go to more than just your Pilates reformer class, 
your body will appreciate the newfound stability and adaptations it's creating. So lift heavy-ish at least once a week. <laughs> mine's, mine's two times a week. Two times a week lifts heavy. Yeah, that's my... You heard it here first. <laughs> Ultimate Lady Badass Paige. Yeah, Paige Fleischman is the name. <laughs> so yeah, that's her Instagram handle. You can find her on there. And uh, maybe next time we'll drop in on uh, some more movement snacks. But I just wanted to, we wanted to hear your story here first. So it was a pleasure. Thank you. It was awesome. You. Do you want to like promote anything? Oh, I have a course coming up on April 4th. It's a Saturday at 8 a.m. Um, it's called DVRT Restoration. Dynamic Variable Resistance Training. That's what the ultimate sandbag. However, this course is not about a sandbag. The course I'm putting on is actually a correctives course, if you will, corrective exercise. And I still even don't yet again don't want to use that word. It's really a course in how would like if I was a beginner and had never lifted weights, let's say, or again a yogi that maybe is interested in adopting a strength practice, a strength and movement practice, where to begin? This would be like a beginner's 101 course to like kind of where to start and how to think about it in a progressive manner. So again, kind of relating a little bit more to yoga, it's like we know how to build sequences, we know how to kind of start here and then build up to this pyramid and then take people down. And it's like, that's kind of the same. That's kind of how strength training is. You're supposed to kind of be building up to this like beet and potatoes and then kind of like tearing away from that. And so that's why like the word restoration is, is it's meant to be a little bit more like corrective exercise or maybe even the word rehab but again these aren't proper words I think that really articulate what you're going to learn from the course so that's coming up and I mean there's going to be other badass shit in the future teaching yoga too oh, I teach, yeah, well yes I'm, I'm currently teaching at gallery yoga on uh, Thomas and 64th street the Walter gallery so to speak so Wednesday's at 6 p.m., and that's a flow class, but very different than your regular flow, so you should probably come Ooh, and check that I'm out. I'm going to go check it out. It's only $15. Um, and I'm, oh, okay, I am going to be putting together, like, like, a sturdy shoulders program that people will be able to purchase in the future for, like, $29.99. So I know you're a big fan of hanging, so I want to I wanna get people to that their ability to hang from a bar slash do a pull-up or just to incorporate maybe pulling-based exercises to enhance their yoga practice or whatever else they're doing. Badass. So that'll be... Actually, I'm really hoping that that'll be complete by the end of the summer. Oh, yeah. I just need a lapel mic and things. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that'll, that'll happen. We'll, we'll make that happen. <laughs> cool. Well, that was a pleasure. Thank you. And we're out. Peace. If you enjoyed that show with